I have to tell you guys, I had an amazing, an amazing week, like really, really good. So uh, usually the week that I'm uh, preaching, it's always feels really tough. Just a lot of spiritual stuff, but this was an amazing week. I just want to share a couple of those things that happened. So uh, ICI went to camp, and I was bothering my daughter to win Cabin of the Week. That's like the competition part, because I had won it several times as a leader, and she hadn't yet, and it was like her third or fourth year in a row. Uh, and so she comes back, and she didn't even remember what place she came in. So I was devastated, but then she told me that she was able to be a part of two kids in her cabin uh, making the decision to follow Christ. So then I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> so then I was just like, well, I've never had two kids in one week become believers, so she beat me. So that's really good. Uh, that's awesome. And then, uh, I don't know if you guys know, I've kind of kept it under wraps because it's just kind of starting, but there's a wildlife that's starting at Chase School. Now, some of you all say I've seen the kids get out after school, and I've seen some of the teachers, but I'm not talking about that wildlife. I'm talking about there's a Young Life ministry that has a 7th, 8th grade version called Young Life. So we started that just like the last four weeks of the school year to hype up this next school year coming. And it was going so well, and we had we averaged about 47 kids coming by, uh, literally preaching inside of the school, in the gym. Uh, principal's co- cool with it. Everything's cool. It's after school. So it was amazing. So they gave us, Wildlife said, well, we have five spots that we want to give you all to send kids to camp. So it was about a week ago, and we had two kids signed up, one boy, one girl. And they go, and they go with one leader, one male leader, one female leader, which would have been kind of awkward, right? So I had went to a conference, and they were talking about how a lot of us, we, don't, we always try to strategize, and we don't pray as much as we should. So I said, you know what, God, I'm not going to try to figure out all this stuff and go hunt these kids down because I didn't really have their original numbers. And so I said, I'm just going to pray. Well, I just want to tell you, well, we had seven kids end up going to camp, seven kids. And so things are going on there, and I'm, I'm really excited. A lot of these kids had no spiritual background. So it's really, really, really been a great, uh, a great week. And so... I want to pray for uh, those kids who became believers at ICI camp, and there might have been more, and also for the Chase Wildlife kids who are at that camp as well, and pray for us as well before we begin uh, the, the sermon. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for how you are working, Lord, uh, through our church, through different ministries that are associated with our church, and Lord, we pray for those kids that have made professions of faith, Lord, that you would have them be solidified in your word and in your promises. And, Lord, that they would begin right away with a spiritual life, Lord, of prayer and of reading your word and being discipled by a mentor. And, Lord, we pray for the kids from Chase that are in Minnesota, a camp in Minnesota. We pray that they would, as they hear your word every, every evening and then every morning, Lord, that they would come to you, Lord, and that we'd be able to just be a part of that and being able to welcome them in, Lord. So we thank you so much for that. We pray that you would be with us this morning as we start a new series. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So yesterday I had a chance to referee basketball at Moody Bible Institute gym. Now that gym is a real like NBA size basketball court. And you all see I don't have a basketball NBA size body. So I was refereeing maybe like 10 games. And so I'm running back and forth in this high school players super fast. And right away everyone was able to see that I haven't been having 
a lot of exercise, physical exercise. Okay, I was starting to break down the ninth, tenth game. I started like, you know how you start doing the fast walk? I was on the fast walk. I was cheating a little bit at the job. And a lot of times when people aren't necessarily physically fit or don't have a lot of physical exercise, you can see that they lack endurance, that they lack strength, even balance. I was kind of teetering sometimes. I was dying. Flexibility. And then in more serious, sometimes they even lack happiness in their overall health. And it's pretty easy to kind of see that. You know, people look worn down at times, right? I want to say that a lot of times uh, when we lack spiritual exercise, a lot of those things are the same. However, it's harder to detect. And one of the reasons it's harder to detect is because we are really good with uh, Christianese, okay? So I got some Christianese phrases that we say sometimes. And I do want to give you guys and let you guys know this, it's on there, but there's like a delay in the in the computer. So, there we go. There we go. So, when some people are struggling spiritually or lacking spiritual exercise, they'll say stuff like, I'll pray about it. So, they're going to pray about praying when they could just be, right? Basically, that just means no. You might hear people say, I'm feeling really convicted about this, which someone can say to get other people not to kind of question what's going on with them as a way of saying, you know, one day I might change. Another thing we might say is I was having fellowship when really we were just hanging out, having beer, peace, and watching the game, right? <laughs> so, you know, haven't been doing much reading the word and praying, but, but, but I've been having fellowship, you know? Uh, I'm saved by grace, not works, which basically means, yo, I can do whatever I want to do. Not necessarily what that means, okay? And then lastly, we have that Lord willing, it's almost like the spiritual crossing, crossing my fingers. Like, we'll see what happens this week, okay? And I want to tell you all that the, the spiritual effects and, and lack of spirituality and lack of spiritual discipline, it's hard to detect sometimes. But I want to tell you that it has those same results as what I was talking about physically. There can be a spiritual lack of endurance, lack of physical, uh, of, of spiritual strength, our balance, learning how to have integrity in all we do, and ultimately our spiritual health and happiness. We become spiritual lazy, spiritually lazy. We have a quote from Charles Spurgeon here. Just keep clicking, it'll go. It's, it's, it's like darkening. Yeah, go ahead. Here's the quote. It reads, the lazy bones of our churches cry. God will do his own work. And then they look out for the softest pillow they can find and put it under their heads and say, the eternal purposes will be carried out. God will be glorified. That is all very fine talk, but it can be used with the most mischievous design. You can make a drug out of it which will lull you into a deep and dreadful slumber and prevent your being of any kind of use at all. Some of us believe so strongly in the sovereign, sovereignty of God that we use it as a license or even a drug to excuse our lack of spiritual discipline, our lack of witness. So today we start a new series. And I believe that it's a, a really important series, and it is very much connected to our witness series, and you'll be able to spot that out right away. So we're, our series is called the Spiritual Discipline Series. 
And the Bible of Spiritual Disciplines is written by this guy named Donald Whitney. If you guys want to check out his book, and it's, it's titled that, uh, Spiritual Disciplines. And here's the list of the spiritual disciplines. We're not going to cover all of them, but we're going to cover some of them. Bible intake, prayer, worship, evangelism. There goes your witness there. Serving, stewardship, fasting, silence and solitude, journaling, and learning. So here are some things that are key. I'm going to give you four keys, and they're put here so you understand, and I'm calling it Spiritual Disciplines 101. So the first one is the spiritual disciplines are both personal and interpersonal. So sometimes you're doing these things on your own, at home in the morning or at night. You're having your time with the Lord where you're exercising. Maybe you're witness or you're reading your Bible or listening to the Bible. And then you have things like this where it's corporal, where we're doing that together. You know, Josh read the word this morning and we were all here to listen to it, right? The public reading of the word. Okay. So we engage in these in those both ways. Okay. So we don't want to think of them as this is just me and God type stuff. This is me and God, but it's also stuff we do uh, together as a, as a church family. Second one is they're not necessarily attitudes or essence. Okay. A lot of people say, well, I'm saved. I kind of have, I just kind of have this prayer thing, but there's no like actually like praying or I understand the Bible. There's not actually like studying the word. So there, it's not like this essence that you kind of walk around with, like a cologne or a perfume or something. It's actually an activity. And these activities are modeled in the Bible. And they're also modeled in the Bible a lot by Jesus Christ himself. Okay? So these activities you do so that you can be like Jesus as well as having a time where you're being with Jesus. So you're with him. Okay? Next one is these spiritual disciplines found in Scripture, they're sufficient. They're sufficient. Let me read to you guys 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. And it reads, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So these spiritual disciplines found in the Bible are sufficient for growth. They can help you grow. A lot of times we look for something outside of that, outside of the spiritual disciplines or things modeled in the Bible. But the ones that are in the Bible are sufficient for growth. If there's something else that helps you spiritually that isn't necessarily modeled and taught in the Bible, we're not calling that sin, but we are saying that's not necessary. necessary. The ones that are modeled in the Bible would be the ones that are necessary for spiritual growth. You guys get what I'm saying? So there's something else. That's cool and all, but it's not necessary. The ones that are necessary are the ones modeled and taught to us in Scripture. And then lastly, to give us that foundation for the series, these are spiritual disciplines are all based in the gospel. It's not separate from the gospel. It's not what you do to get to the gospel. They are based from the gospel. They are based from Jesus and his death and his resurrection. So they're not to, in a sense, uh, advance us into levels of Christianity. They are the very basis that helps us understand uh, Christianity. So what's the point of spiritual disciplines? What's the end goal? The end goal is godliness. Godliness. To be more and more like God. And how do you know what God is like? How would you know about prayer? How would you know what to do? 
And it all comes from the Bible. So today, we're going to be starting with Bible intake. Bible intake. And there's a, there's a phrase that's been around for years, and it's called sola scriptura. And it means, sola scriptura means that the scripture alone is authoritative. It has authority for faith and practice of the Christian. The Bible is complete, authoritative, and true. So today we begin in the Bible. And notice that I use the word Bible intake, because right now there's so many different ways to kind of get the Bible, right? Some of you all maybe listen in your car, you, you know, it got headphones everywhere, everybody wears headphones now, right? There's, uh, there's the actual Bible, there's different size Bibles, right? There's, uh, there's apps, so Bible intake, so we're including all of those things, okay? So the Holy Bible, it tells us about our Holy God the Father. And we know that there was the Holy Spirit who guided people to write the very thoughts of God. And the Bible also tells us that Jesus, also known as the Word of God, he embodied what it would be in human form. So we're starting with the Bible. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 16. Give you a second to get there. Thanks for letting me do that intro. All right, it reads. Remember, this is Paul talking to a young church leader. This is Paul talking to Timothy, his son, his spiritual son. This is what he tells him. It reads, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value... Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers... An example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by, doing, by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And what I did is I kind of highlighted certain texts, words from the text that I wanted to throw out. If you look at the first one, it says, train yourself. Think about what are some words that come to your brain when you think of that word train. I I, I asked Diana this, and this is what she gave me. This is her list. So if you don't like it, you can talk to her. She said, you have to set objectives when you train, don't you? Right? What's that goal? You have to stay away from error. Notice the first part, he says, no, don't get caught up in crazy stuff. So you have to stay away from that when you're ready to train. Persevere. You have to find out what's tailor-made for you, right? Step-by-step, accountability, incentives, streaks, competition, having grit. So if you notice this Bible intake, there's some work to do in this. This isn't just something that just kind of happens naturally. I don't know if it's necessarily natural for us 
to just want to do all of this. There's some work that has to go into it. Next thing, it says godliness, godliness is of value in every way. So it has value now, it's temporal, and it has value in the next life. Next thing, it's trustworthy. You guys see it, say it says, holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And it also says it's trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. This is something that, in a sense, full acceptance means everyone kind of knows this. Even people who maybe don't live it out would probably assent to the idea that the spiritual, the inside, is more important than the, than the outside. So we should take this into account. Spend your hours in godly pursuit. In godly pursuit. You think about how much time people spend. There's crazes all the time, new, new health trends. But what about, what are the new spiritual health trends, right? Next thing says, we toil and strive. We toil and strive. We do it because we trust in a living God, the one who is alive, the Savior of all. Because of God's saving work, it has an eternal impact. We work with eternity in view. We're committed to this hard work because we know it has eternal consequences. And not just for us, but for people who are going to see our witness, for people who could become believers because of that behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on with our Bible. That's why we do it. We're thinking about other people's eternity as well. And then lastly, we have our hope set on the living God. You know, the battle starts, there's a, a spoken word artist named Jackie Hill Perry. She was interviewed about her, you know, quiet time, her devotion, her Bible reading. And she said, and I think it's really, really smart. She said, as soon as you wake up, the battle is, to, is for your mind. And a lot of us, and she confessed, she said, I sleep with my phone charging and the first thing she does when she gets up is check all these things. And then she even confessed to something even weird. She says, most of the time she's on her phone, she's on Wikipedia looking up weird things about weird countries, weird animals. So it's not even like something cooler. She just, <laughs> she's just trying to like learn as much. She's a, you know, she's a major geek, so that's cool. But the war for our attention, for what gets us, Right away, if we lose that battle right away, it can define what goes on in that whole day. We're talking about day to day. So there is an example of what happens right when you wake up, the starting moment, the starting point. And I remember when I was a little kid, we sang that song, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me, right? I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, isn't it? Right? So right away in the morning. We see an example of Jesus before the light even came on. He was, uh, before the sun came out, he was in it. He was with God. Turn to me to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We were there before. We're going to go to it again. And because this sermon is about an activity, we're about to go to the part where it's going to get super duper practical. So my goal and my hope and our hope for the series as the preacher team, is that these will be things that people get going on right away. And anything coming from the front would be very helpful. So the reason why we do all this is because all Scripture is God-breathed 
and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's look at an example in Luke 2. It's in Luke chapter 11. I want to break that verse down by looking at other verses. Here we go. Look at Luke 11, verse 28. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. You could go to the next slide. So what are some of these verbs we need to be looking at? Keeping it. Keeping it. Do you know that a lot of times when we read, you might read, and if you don't have something active going on, you could read a whole page and then what happens? You close it up and you don't remember anything. So that tells you that there needs to be something active going on. Even while you're reading, some questioning, connecting. Uh, one thing I want to bring up, and I just wanted to model it as I was uh, giving it, uh, talking about it, is this idea of cross-referencing. So if you want to explain scripture, oftentimes you explain scripture with other scriptures. So we call that cross-referencing. So here I'm breaking down 2 Timothy 3 by looking at other scriptures that kind of blow up what that really means. Do you guys know that keeping your word, I think it means obviously like remembering what you're reading, keeping that with you. I also think it means like keeping it on you, whether it's on your phone or you have a Bible nearby. One of the best ways when you're first talking to someone and they're talking about the Bible, you actually say, well, let's look. Let's look at it. And you can show people the Bible. There's a real cool part where Paul's talking to Timothy, and he's in jail, which we know probably was pretty cold. They didn't have central heating back then. But even before he asked for his coat, his cloak, he said, can you please bring my parchments? Can you please bring the scriptures? Isn't that crazy? Even before his own coat. What's another thing? Let's look at Romans 10, verse 17. It reads this. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So you have to hear it. You have to hear it. Can I read you guys a story from the Bible? Guys, this is awesome. Listen to this. This is David and Goliath from the message, the message translation. Has anyone heard this before? This is really cool. So I'm just going to read it because I want to just apply what we just heard. Listen to what it says. We're going to pick up where David just finished talking with his brothers. If you don't know that story, you can go back and read it because that's what this sermon is about. Okay. The things David was saying were picked up and reported to Saul. Saul sent for him. Master said, David, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight this Philistine. Saul answered David, you can't go and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced. And he's been at this fighting business since before you were born. David said, I've been a shepherd, tending sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I go after it, knock it down, and rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, wring its neck, and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it. And I'll do the same to this Philistine pig who is taunting the troops of God alive. God, who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear, will deliver me from this Philistine. Saul said, go, and God help you. Yo, this is our scripture. This is our, this is our family book. These are our family photos. 
These memories, these pictures, right? I see them. How many of you all got the felt board in your head, right? This is part of our culture. What else does it say? It says, then Saul outfitted David as a soldier in armor. He put his bronze helmet on his head and belted his sword on him over the armor. David tried to walk, but he could hardly budge. David told Saul, I can't even move with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to this. And he took it all off. Then David took his shepherd's staff, selected five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in the pocket of his shepherd's pack. And with his sling in his hand, approached Goliath. As the Philistine paced back and forth, his shield bearer in front of him, he noticed David. He took one look down on him and sneered, a mere youngster, apple-cheeked, and peach-fuzzed. The Philistine ridiculed David. Am I a dog that you come after me with a stick? And he cursed him by his gods. Come on, said the Philistine. I may roll killer you for the buzzards. I'll turn you into a tasty morsel for the field mice. David answered, you come at me with sword and spear and battle axe. I come at you in the name of God, of the angel armies, the God of Israel's troops, whom you curse and mock. This very day, God is handing you over to me. I'm about to kill you, cut off your head, and serve up your body and the bodies of your Philistine buddies to the crows and coyotes. The whole earth will know that there's an extraordinary God in Israel. And everyone gathered here will learn that God doesn't save by means of sword or spear. The battle belongs to God. He's handing you to us on a platter. It's like talking smack. This is, this is like my childhood. This, is a, this will help me not get beat up so much. That roused the Philistine, and he started toward David. David took off from the front line, running toward the Philistine. David reached into his pocket for a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine hard in the forehead, embedding the stone deeply. The Philistine crashed face down in the dirt. That's how David beat the Philistine, with a sling and a stone. He hit him and killed him. No sword for David. Then David ran up to the Philistine and stood over him, pulled the giant sword from its sheath, and finished the job by cutting off his head. When the Philistines saw that their great champion was dead, they scattered, running for their lives. Isn't that amazing? So guys, sometimes you just need to listen to it. You just need to listen to it. Listen to those stories. Be amazed at what God has done. Parents, read these stories to your children. Learn when to cut off the story so that they're desperate for more, which fuels them for their own devotion time and stuff. Then they realize, hey, when I learn how to read, I can start doing this stuff on my own. It's the greatest book ever. The next one, reading. Do you guys know ten times in the Bible Jesus forcefully said when he was questioned, have you not read? What's the implication of that? Supposed to read. Supposed to read. Supposed to read. Let's look at Ezra 7.10. I know we're jumping around today. If you don't have your Bible, I'm reading it out loud for you. So Ezra 7.10. It says, for Ezra has set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and statutes and rules in Israel. Sorry about that. Notice the order. He set his heart. He studied the law. He did it. And then he taught it. Let me say that again. He set his heart. 
A lot of us, that's our starting point. We might get convicted. We got, might get messed around with. You know, our emotions are a little. So then we say, well, I'm going to read the whole thing tomorrow. You know, we go really big. Well, one thing is to go in prayer before the Lord and set your heart. See what, he, see what he has for you. Maybe you might need to go through a time of listening, right? Listening and studying. It's all going to be different for each of us. But he said it in his heart first. Then he started to study the law. Then he started to do it. You can't do what you don't know. Then he started to teach it himself. And then lastly, memorizing. Some of y'all are like, memorizing, really? Jesus did it. How dare we ever suggest to use strategies that go against what Jesus did? He himself memorized. So if he, as the Son of God, the Word of God, memorized, then, that, then we know, we know what we should be doing. Do you notice that when he was being tempted, he used Scripture? So we have to do what Jesus does, what he did. I always think, uh, I remember I was like maybe 11 years old when I thought this. So if it sounds crazy, it came from an 11-year-old, okay? I remember when I first heard the story of Adam and Eve and what Satan said. And I remember saying, what if Eve, when Satan said, you know, what he told her and tried to trick her, what if Eve was like, man, shut your mouth. He didn't say that. This is what he really said. And that... And I think about that all the time when I'm believing some lies or struggling with a sin and just thinking about how many times can we tell our temptation, you know, this is not true. This is like trash. Like, no. But she didn't do that, right? She didn't, she didn't remember that word really well. And so she comes and she says something different. Just even a little bit different is different, right? So Jesus, Jesus actually did this, so let's model that as well. The last visual, guys, and we're coming to the end, are just Bible intake tips, okay? I, uh, these are all, I'm sorry if it's hard to read. And if anybody wants this PowerPoint, I can send it to you. I also, uh, I'm, I want to make myself available if you need any help with any of these as well. One thing I wanted to mention from the previous one about memorizing scripture, uh, our mosaic uh, has been trying to get through, uh, has been going through this book called A Hundred Verses. So it picks out like a hundred Bible verses. And you ever wonder like, which one should I start with? That's what this whole book's about. It tells you what to start with and gets you through it, okay? Now this is straight from my head and my notes. So if it sounds crazy, that's what's going on in here, okay? So the first thing that we need to do with our word is study it. There's an acronym called SOAP. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Okay, so scripture means you have to think about where are you reading from and you might want to also write it out. There's something going on when you write it out. So this is probably for smaller amounts. When you study scripture, you maybe want to study smaller ones and then you maybe want to read bigger ones for enjoyment or for pleasure. Okay, for being with your father. Okay, so you want to think about the context. There are so many things that you can look at and websites you can look at. And part of, part of the fun of this is finding those. But you can figure out the context, the history of what's going on. A lot of times when we read the Bible, we read something, and then we infuse all our thoughts into it. In school, that would be called low reading comprehension. You can't just read something and then infuse your thoughts in it and think that's the meaning. You have to figure out what was the author's intent. For example, 
I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Can you steal? Well, if I'm a 12-year-old kid and you give it to me out of context, I might steal and say, God gave me the power not to get caught. I made it. You know what I mean? So you have to understand what was meant. What is this, what, what, that verse is there. What's surrounding it? What's surrounding the situation as well? Next thing when you want to think about soap is observation. So you want to study the context more. You want to notice. You want to learn. These things you might want to highlight. If there's a word you don't know, there's this uh, app for Strong's Concordance. So you could just look online and look at what the initial meaning of that word was. Sometimes they give you a phrase that captures it because there might not be one word direct correlation. Uh, application, how does it apply to me? And when you think about application, you want to think about principles. Okay? Like I just read David and Goliath. Does that mean I'm going around, going to go buy a slingshot and slingshot start knocking people out? Right? That's not the application. So we're thinking about the principles, right? So you want to look at the principles. You want to look at, uh, what God is basing this in. That's what you want to focus on. Okay? And then, and then firstly, even though it's last here, firstly, you want to pray. You want to ask God and the Holy Spirit to illuminate the scriptures. And do you know that God can give you understanding beyond your mental abilities? It's almost supernatural what happens sometimes. Yep. It isn't natural for you to understand the Bible. When he saved you, he gave you the abilities to then be able to. Next thing, meditate on it. We got to stay in it. Sometimes we just have to stay with a certain scripture. Okay? Take a word. Take a, take a phrase. I remember the first time I learned... Uh, the kinsman redeemer. You know, that, that, that title. And I was just like, wow, what that means. And we got a chance to study it. And then, uh, I just kind of kept that with me. That was a really cool word. I remember when I first learned propitiation. And I remember the first time I said it without sounding like I was cursing or something like that, right? So I remember learning that word and just staying in that word. You guys ever, uh, just kind of linger on a website? That's that kind of idea. Like, we know how to do this. We just have to do it with God's word. Uh, another thing is you just kind of ponder it throughout your day. All right? Next one is memorize it. We kind of talked about that. Next, I have share it, discuss it, be a witness. If you've read something this morning and someone asks you, what did you do that morning at work, then you're able to talk about that because they asked you a question, Right? You can say, oh, I was reading my Bible, I got this out of it. You just throw throwing those out there. Okay? Tell people what you learn. Answer questions. When people have questions about the Bible, if you don't study your word, if you're not getting all this Bible inside, then you don't have the answer to the question. Which you don't have to have every answer, but you should be ready. The Bible tells us to be ready to give people an answer. Okay, for why you believe what you believe. Okay? Next thing, read it. And I want to break this down a little bit. When you read it, you want to read the Bible in what I feel in a couple ways. All right? So one way you want to read it is you just want to read the Bible because that's your book. You just want to enjoy it. You just want to listen. And you're just kind of taking it in or listening to it, right? Or watching the show or watching the movie about it. You're just kind of taking it in. I'm one of those uh, sermons in the shower people. Okay? Kids bought me a shower radio. I'm hooked up. So I'm one of those people, right? They're going through a passage, okay? Other thing you might want to do is maybe create a study for yourself or get a study book that helps you go through like a smaller book 
and you go through the intense work of doing all the little questions and getting real, real deep. So I say yes and. And some of you might say, well, what's a good number? I would say a good number for a week is about 30 chapters. 30 chapters. So let's say you're reading Ephesians, which is six chapters. You might want to read it five times that week for your enjoyment. And then you really start to just get it and it starts to permeate. Then you might be studying something else. Maybe you want to study a couple Psalms, things like that. Okay? Just for an example. Journal. You guys know, and uh, draw stuff. You guys know that you have these really cool Bibles that have space for you to do things right next to it. So if that's your mode of learning, feel free to get one of those. Bring it. Now some of you say, what do you mean by bring it? You should have, and I'm not good with weapons, so some of you all like, this is a horrible example. But anyway, so what would be like the smallest type of knife or sword? Maybe a dagger or something? So you would have like a scripture that you're trying, this is empty, but you would have a scripture you're trying to memorize, and it kind of be in your pocket or your wallet or your purse, and you bring that out that you're working on. That's like the small one. So you're carrying that with you, okay? Then you have, I just call it a knife. I don't know if that's the right order. Anyway, some of you all like a knife is a dagger. But then you got the next size which might be the small one that fits in your book bag or the one you could put in your back, your back pocket, okay? One time I was uh, running out of Toys R Us. I used to go to Lane Tech. I ran out of Toys R Us to catch the bus, okay? And so a police station is right next to it. I get on the bus. We go over to, you guys remember, it used to be, I think it's, yeah, anyway, yeah. I went over and the police officer pulled the bus over. Got on the bus and told me to get out. He thought I stole something from Toys R Us. And that time I did it. No, I'm just saying. I didn't ever steal it. But so he pulled me off the bus and right away they start frisking me and, and they checking my book back because they thought I stole something. What did they find? What they found was a little Bible I used to wear inside my little jacket. And they were like, you know, they, they pulled that out and they're like, what's this for? I'm like, man, I'm a Christian. I'm going to Bible study. Why you all pull me out that bus? I don't have bus fare. You guys going to give me a ride? We're not giving. You know, I was really upset. I'm like, I'm going to Bible study. I'm going to be late. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I was able to witness to some cops, even though they were really mad at me, because I was asking for a ride. It kind of made them feel bad, but they couldn't give me a ride. So I had to walk all the way to ICI from all the way over there. Uh, anyway, and then you got your sword, you know? Charles Spurgeon said, be careful. He says, people whose Bible is all messed up, often have a life that isn't, right? So you have a Bible that, that's your sword. That's the one that you go to. That's your big weapon. So feel free to have that, you know, and, and just kind of label those and say, well, that's, that's for now, that's for on the run, and so forth. You can listen to it. There's things called sermon jams on YouTube or Bible readings that are put to music. Streetlights is a real, like, hip-hop-ish kind of one that you could tell a lot of kids about. They just finished the whole New Testament. And the, the music's really cool. It has beats that they would normally listen to, but it's God's Word on there. Kids are listening to the Word in big fashion. Personalize it. You do you. Take care. You know who you are. And then lastly, I have highlighting, cross-referencing, helping yourself make those connections, okay? So how should we respond to this uh, challenge to read your Bible. I just want to give us some words here. I think we should read our Bible, and the reason is this. Here's my argument. 
It's foremost. It's the one that's most in front. It's the most prominent book. It's incomparable. There's nothing that compares to it in quality, impact, beauty, and any other describable characteristic you could come up with. It's chief. It's the top. It's a go-to. It's a source when you need it. It's leading. It's first rank. It's something that foreshadows coming changes. It's trending. It's on top. It's the head of the class. It's paramount. Primary concern. It's peerless. It's preeminent. It excels above all others, guys. It's principle. It's supreme. It's unequal. And it's unmatched. Jesus said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus knew his word. And you guys remember 12-year-old Jesus in the temple? Amazing the leaders. And then the parents say, where were you? He says, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? That actually translate, it translates to, didn't you know I'm about my father's business? That's, that's his business. The Holy Spirit says that the Bible is, the, is his sword. It's called the sword of the Spirit. And God reveals himself in his word. So don't do it, God. Don't try to do everything in this life without the word of God. Nobody, no believer, outgrows the Bible. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for the opportunity to have it in our hands, Lord. To have an ability to listen to it. And Lord, we pray that you would guide us, Lord, into a real application to read your word, Lord. We remember those deep times that you we've had with you, Lord, one-on-one or with the study group. And we pray, Lord, that we would be pushed and reminded to study your word, to listen to it, to meditate on it. Lord, I pray that we would hide your word in our hearts, Lord, that we may not sin against you, that we may become more likely, like you, transformed with the renewing of our mind, Lord, that we would pray your scriptures, that we would hear you in our speech, Lord, and others would as well. Thank you so much for your word, and we pray that we would appreciate it more and more, Lord, and recognize its rank and where it should be in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.